We're going to begin in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. The Gospel of Luke, chapter number 18. And the title of the teaching tonight is, Don't Be Weary. I think we've all gotten tired before. Anybody ever come to church tired before? There's been a few people that have come to the house of God for fellowship and been tired just a, just a little bit. So the title is Don't Be Weary. And we're going to look at several places where the Bible tells us not to be weary. Uh, in the old English, it says, don't faint or faint not. Luke 18, verse 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray, that includes ladies, and not to faint, saying there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man, and there came a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Avenge me of my adversary, and he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Now the teaching in this parable is that if you go to God in prayer, keep going to God until he answers your prayer. Sometimes we have a tendency to think that if we don't pray enough, or I should say if we pray too many times, we think very often that God is not listening to us. But remember, the scripture says here in verse one, don't get tired of praying. Most kids, when they go to their parents and ask for something, they ask until they get what they want. Unless mom and dad gives them a sharp reply, it says, don't ask me again. But when you come into the scripture and you consider the promises that God has made for us and the promises that God has made to us, then we understand that we should not give up when God tells us to pray. So Luke 18, 1 is very clear. Pray even when it seems like you're not getting an answer. Now, if, if I were to come to your home and I saw all the cars out in the yard and I saw the lights on in the house and I could even hear voices on the inside and I rung the doorbell and knocked on the door and nobody came to the door, do you think I'd leave or do you think I'd stand out there and bang on it some more? Oh, I'd bang on it some more. And not only would I ring the doorbell and bang on it some more, I'm liable to walk around the house and press my face up against the window just to see why it is nobody's answering the door. Well, if I'm that persistent in trying to get your attention, shouldn't we be that persistent when we're talking to God? Because we know he doesn't sleep or slumber. The lights are never turned off in heaven. And he's waiting on people like you and me to come and bring a prayer or a petition to him. But the scripture says here, don't get tired of asking. 
A lot of people get weary of asking. They say, well, I've been praying for years for God to save my children. I've been praying for years for God to do something with my neighbors. I've been praying for years for God to give me a promotion. Well, keep praying and keep believing. So we're not just uttering words because we just need something to do. But we want to be like the lady who comes to the Lord and she she prays. And so every time we have a prayer meeting and every time we're on our knees talking to God, I don't want you to feel like God has heard this whole thing before. What I want you to believe is he's listening to me and he's working behind the scenes to ensure that my prayer is answered. So whether it's for healing, whether it's for finances or whatever it might be. Now let's, let's go over to 2 Corinthians now. Let's go to 2 Corinthians and go to chapter 4. And I want you to see another place where the scripture tells us not to be weary or faint not. 2 Corinthians 4 verse number 1. Therefore seeing we have this ministry... As we have received mercy, we faint not. So two things there. You and I have received a ministry from the Lord. Now Paul is talking about his ministry of pro proclaiming the gospel, but all of us who are Christians, we have a ministry. Now you may wonder, what is your ministry? Well, the scripture says that God has committed to us all the ministry of reconciliation. So your ministry is to let people know that they're reconciled to God the Father through the death of Jesus Christ. And in the process of doing it, the Bible says don't get tired of doing it. Don't faint at doing it. Because if, if you've witnessed to people before and they rejected what you said or walked away and said, I don't want to hear it, don't let their actions dissuade you from telling other people. It's, it's like when, when my mother would want to get my attention and talk to me, and, and she would want to talk to me so that nobody else knew what she was saying. She would pull my face real close to her so nobody could read her lips. And then she would say whatever she had to say, and if it looked like I wasn't paying attention to what she was saying. She pulled me even closer and sometimes knocked my head against hers just to make sure I was listening to what she said. Well, here's the thing. The fact that I acted like I wasn't listening didn't cause her to grow weary of telling me. She will tell me over and over again, and you did the exact same thing with your kids. You just had a different method, that's all. Some of you might have grabbed them by the ear, see, or whatever you did, but however you had to get their attention. But if a mom and dad doesn't get tired of correcting their child, and even when they are weary of correcting their child, they continue to do it, how much more we who have a ministry of telling people about Jesus? So I was talking to someone today, and they were uh, telling me about one of their kids and they were saying kid isn't walking with the Lord and isn't doing what they should do even though the child was raised in, in the word and uh, the, the statement was made I grow tired of telling them the same thing over and over and over and over again well do you think he gets tired 
I mean, he, he doesn't. But you, do you think he gets grieved by the fact that we hear and then don't do what he wants us to do? Yes, he does. So verse verse number one of Second Corinthians four, we've received a ministry, but the Bible also says we've received mercy. So since God has been merciful to me in my sin and God was surely merciful to you in your sin, why do we give up on everybody so fast? Why do we grow weary of people? And you've heard me use this illustration 150 times, and I'll use it a thousand more while I'm here, and that's real simple. If, if, if God waited on you to become a Christian 55 years, 55 years he waited for you to become a true Christian serving him, and then you start praying for people in your family to get saved, and then you're frustrated after six months because they haven't changed. You're frustrated after two years because they haven't changed. But he waited on you 55. And the Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. And that means I have the same capacity now to practice long suffering. And since that mercy has been given to me, I have to give that mercy to other people. Think about that. I don't know how long God had to wait on some of you to really get on fire for God. But I do know if he can wait, so can you. Yeah. So having received this ministry and this mercy, don't get tired. Keep loving your family. Keep loving your enemies. Keep blessing those that persecute you and slander you and lie on you. In doing so, the Bible says you heap coals of fire over their heads. Now, I guess I could ask this question. All the years that I've been here, have I ever made anybody here angry at all? See, hey, put your hand down. What are you doing? Put, you're my wife. You're not supposed to put your hand up. You, you, you pull it down. Okay, so if, if, if I did anger you or make you mad, don't you know that you still have to be merciful to me, a sinner? Yeah. And so we could reverse the question and say something like this. How many of you have made me mad before? See? But fortunately, excuse me, you still got that hand up back there, don't you? <laughs> fortunately, we don't hold grudges. You know, one of the things Tiffany gets on to me about, she says, you have such a short memory, you can't even remember things that people said to you a year ago, six months ago, five years ago. And the good thing about that is you can't hold grudges that way. But there are people who can go back and they can tell you what you said 22 years and six months and 13 days ago, where you were when you said it, what you were wearing when you said it, where you were headed when you said it. And those kind of people are very difficult to handle. But the scripture says we don't grow tired. Oh, I like that. 23 years ago this month, I came to Nebraska. I'm not tired of anybody out here. I love being out here with you folks. So that's verse 1. Well, look at, look at verse 15. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause 
We faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. So we became Christians, and when we became Christians, our outer shell continued to grow old. So, of course, we can all remember when we had more hair. We can all remember when we had darker colored hair. And then you can remember when you started looking in the mirror and the hair started changing colors. Yeah. You can remember when your body started changing, when the wrinkles started appearing, the outward man was perishing. But on the inside, it, it, it does seem like many times you can uh, still feel like you're, 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 you can think you're 25, even though your body tells you that you're not. I've had a lot of older people tell me that. I'll, I'll ask somebody when they turn 75 or something, how does it feel to be 75? Same as it did 74. You ask somebody, how did it feel turn 74? Same as 73, just keeps going back. But this, this natural body, it changes. It's being transformed. But on the inside, because we're eternal, we're actually becoming stronger stronger and a billion years from now you're going to be as alive then as you are right now yeah there's no doubt about it one day when we all give up the ghost on the other side of our last breath there's going to be a brand new glorified body and Paul says since you know that and since you have the grace of God to help you as you're living right now we don't faint so I'm not going to grow tired. I'm not going to look at this body and get frustrated because it's giving me an organ recital every other day and I've got one pain, one problem after another, but I'm going to do everything I can to continue to press onward. Can you say amen? See, that's true. Anybody can give up, but to continue going forward, that's the important thing. And to not be discouraged by what you see taking place in your body. I remember one family where uh, the, 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 the kids were telling me that every time they have a birthday for one of the parents, they never know how the parent is going to act, so they kind of hate it to see the birthdays come around. Because some people get moody when they think about the fact that the outward man is perishing. But folks, listen to me. One of the joys and the beauties of serving God is to have the ability to grow older in grace and in knowledge. That's a blessing. When you consider how many people turned over today and had a dead body next to them, you consider the 25-year-olds that never will see their 50th birthday. When you consider the people who never will see their 30th birthday, don't give up, see? Don't grow tired with everything that, that you're facing. Now, let's go to, go to Galatians now, and let's look at something else here. In Galatians chapter 6, okay, Galatians chapter number 6. I know I'm talking kind of loud tonight, but I'm just trying to make sure everyone can hear me. Galatians chapter 6, 
Notice verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have opportunity, therefore, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Okay, so you take... A little guy like Caleb who comes out here and Caleb pushes the vacuum cleaner and he goes back and forth trying to make sure the church is taken care of and then he takes care of the plants. Do you know sometimes you, you can do that and wonder if anybody ever appreciates what you're doing? Yeah. Think of the number of people who work in the hospital and maybe they wash the, the linen and do the laundry. And they're up in the middle of the night taking care of a lot of that stuff. And, and they don't hardly ever get a word of thanks or any kind of gratitude. Think of the adult children that look after their parents in old age. See? Sacrificing time, energy, other resources. And they're doing all of this behind the scenes because they're the ones that are close by. Other family members are further away. And sometimes you do all the work. And how many times does the family say to you, thank you for all that you do? Right. It's, it's easy to do what you're doing and then become tired in what you're doing. That's fine. But let's not become tired of what we're doing. As God gives you the opportunity, go out of your way and be willing to be a blessing to other people. Don't give up even when everybody else is saying to you, you should stop. Because the Bible says in due season, you're going to reap if you don't faint. Now, it, it is true that you reap what you sow. So my, my mother-in-law years ago moved from Texas back to Mississippi so that she could look after her mother. And so she brought her mother into her house and, and, and took care of her and fed her and clothed her and took her back and forth to every doctor's appointment and all of that and did that for years until Grandma Isabella went on home to be with the king. And so she knew that was her responsibility. But I did tell my mother-in-law that just because you did that, don't think you're going to reap what you've sown. We're not making any promises here. Okay, uh, we're glad you did that. As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men. But, but here's the point. I, I can recall during that time when she was looking after her mom when there were financial difficulties. I can remember when there were physical difficulties as far as health-wise. Nevertheless, she kept doing what she was doing. And it's the same thing in, in life, and it's the same thing in a church. It, it takes a lot to move a church, to run a church, to lead a church. And, and as tired as we get in having prayers and having gatherings and things like that, you keep plugging ahead. You keep plugging ahead because that's the plan of God. 
And once people give up, then, of course, you know, then it's over. If you've got a runner coming down a racetrack, once they get in their mind that they're not going to win and they're tired and they don't want to run anymore and they stop, then the race is over for them. Everybody else may keep going, but the race is over for them. So God says to you, don't be weary. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep reading your Bible. Keep praying, keep seeking the face of God. Be diligent to come to the house of God because in due season you will reap. There's a point in your life when God brings blessings. And it could very well be that you're blessed now because of the life that you've lived. I can give you a good illustration of it this way. You that were raised in Christian homes, think of how blessed you were to not have to wake up every day to a parent that was you know, abusing various substances. See, there are a lot of kids today who get up and dress themselves for school in elementary. There are a lot of kids today who who have to fend for themselves, have to get out and work any kind of job they can as a teenager or as a senior in high school just to have a little bit extra money because they have people above them not doing what they should do. But the Bible makes it very plain. You keep, keep plodding along. See, Keep plodding along. I never, ever was one of those kids that enjoyed school. You ever seen them kind of really do enjoy it? Oh, I've, I've, I've seen them. My little sister was one of them. When I came out here, I can remember I'd go have coffee with, with Garth and Kathy, and then I'd get there, and just, I'm telling you, Megan would be downstairs right to the last minute when the bus would come. Within six seconds of the bus coming, Maria would be up there at the window pacing back and forth, just looking for the bus because she was ready to get out there. I never had that kind of energy. Not for school, see? But there are some people that enjoy that. But even though I didn't love it, I had to keep going. Yeah, I had to keep going. Don't be, don't be weary in your well-doing. In due season, you'll reap. Well, that happened with me. All the, all the little kids, you know, they get all the awards in school. You know, you get those who are on the merit roll and those that were on the honor roll, and you get those that have those 4.0 averages and 3.4 and all of that, my mom made sure that I got some kind of award. And I can always remember I was always the one. No matter what took place, I marched down that center aisle, went up on that stage, and always received the award for perfect attendance. Terrible. 20 below outside. I'm at the bus stop, waiting on the bus to go. Sick with a fever, didn't feel good at all. Headed to the bus stop. Always made it there. Yeah. Due season, you'll reap. All right, let's go to Ephesians chapter 3 now. Ephesians chapter 3. Notice what Paul is saying in verse number 13 he says wherefore i desire that all of you do not faint at my tribulations for you which is for your glory now he's telling them not to give up or backslide 
because of the troubles that he's facing in his own life. And then he goes into a prayer in verse 14. So look at it. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. So he said, the way we're going to keep you from falling away is by God empowering you to continue on. So we all know what, know what that means. We all understand what is needed when we're passing through difficult times. So you get a bit of bad news. And then on top of that bad news, more bad news comes. And then on top of that, more bad news comes. And pretty soon, all you want to do is just sit down in a corner and just ask God, is there ever going to be a period where I'm not going to have all of these troubles? And then we forget, though, that we just came through six months where we didn't have any troubles or maybe a year where we didn't have any troubles, or five years where we didn't have any troubles. But when everything is coming down so fast, just like hard rain, it's annoying, it's irritating, and before you know it, all you want to do is throw your hands up and give up. And Paul said, listen, don't get tired because of what I'm going through. Yeah, it's easy. You, you look at a loved one, and a loved one is struggling through life, and then sometimes you wonder, how can you continue? Yeah. You, you take one of these kids in, in today's society who feels like they're being bullied all the way through school, and they're being told by their parents and by friends and by a preacher, pray and trust God, but yet the more they pray and trust God, it seems the harsher kids are. What do they do? They very often, they shrink back, and they just want to give up and stop serving God. Now, Paul is telling them, though, that he didn't want them to stop because of what was happening to him. It's one thing to give up because of what's happening to you. But it's something entirely different for you to decide, because trouble has come to Carol, I'm not going to serve God, or I'm just going to backslide. I'm just not going back to church because my brother is having too many problems. Well, why would your brother's problems keep you from pressing in to get closer to God? Unless you're allowing your brother's problems to come between you and God. And that's what ha happens very often. We look at someone else's circumstances, and then we say, if God really is a just God, and God truly is a fair God, then God will stop this. But remember, God has never in the Bible promised anybody he'd treat them fairly. What God said was he was not a respecter of persons. So God honors his word and God honors his covenant. God makes promises through his covenant and because of what we have in the contract, our position is to believe and trust God. But just because you trust God, that does not mean God spares you and me problems and troubles in this world. Job was holy. And the Bible says Job did nothing wrong. He turned from evil. He lived for God. That man lost his house, children's houses, lost his children, 
lost his livestock, thousands upon thousands of dollars, and the devil was laughing and having the time of his life. And what did his wife do? She said, Job, why don't you just give up your faith and curse God and fall over dead? That's what she said. So what did she do? She fainted at his tribulations. See? Sometimes we, we think we have a relationship with God. Sometimes we think we have faith in God. And then when trouble comes, we realize our relationship with God is basically through somebody else or it's, or it's pertaining to things. And you parents, you probably know this very well. Uh, some kids only have a relationship with God through their parents and through their family. You remove the parents, you remove the family, the relationship with God falls apart. Some kids, some people only have a relationship with God through their peers or friends. As long as somebody goes and picks them up at their house and takes them to church and makes sure they're there, they're there. Let that person die. You never see them again in church at all. Yeah, I've seen that over and over and over again. The scripture here says, it is my desire that you don't get tired when you hear of my tribulations. So back when World War II was going on, I'm trying to remember the preacher's name, and I can't right now, but it'll come to me, I'm sure, when I'm finished with this lesson. But Billy Graham used to preach for Youth for Christ. He was a very popular preacher then in the 40s, traveling across North America, holding all of these rallies, telling folks about the king. But there was another gentleman who traveled with him, and then sometimes separately. This gentleman, he was a stronger preacher as Billy Graham. Large crowds in auditoriums. Well... This young man decided one day that um, he'd go off and see one of those, those uh, movies they had back in the 40s and stuff. And you remember before uh, some of those movies for you that were around back then, they'd have the clips of the war effort. And you could see what the American troops were doing in Germany. Well, on this particular occasion, this evangelist went into the theater and he saw the American troops going into the Nazi camps, and he saw all of the burnt remains. He saw all of the bodily remains of the Jewish people. He saw babies stacked up like cordwood. He saw all of this evil that was manifested, and in looking at that, in the middle of all of these people that were there for that old-fashioned movie, he started thinking, and I know the devil planted this thought in his mind, if there is a God, why would he let this kind of evil go on? And when he thought about it and meditated on it, he walked away from God, stopped preaching, and totally turned his back on the king. Now here's my point. Tribulation persecution, and death has been in this world since Cain and Abel. Since Cain and Abel. Whether it's one-on-one -on -one persecution, or whether it's tribe-on-tribe -tribe persecution, 
or army against army persecution and death, I can promise you in the history of this world, there have been slaughterings and there have been betrayals that are not even recorded and we don't even know about them. See? But even though we don't know about them, we are not to give up our faith in God and say, what kind of God can be just and let all of this unjust stuff take place? You don't give up on God because of that. There is a world in which there will be no sin. This isn't it. There is a world in which there will be no curse. This is not it. But we can still enjoy the blessings of God, so we pray for one another that we'll be strengthened. That's why the mighty power of the Holy Ghost is important, to stir up believers, to strengthen them, to empower them. This is why every one of us should pray and say, God, I need more of you to surrender more of my heart and my life to you so that you can take this empty vessel, fill it with everything that you have, and I can go on with you, Lord, in the midst of what's taking place. Peter lost a friend and brother named James. James died by the sword. He could have been beheaded or thrust through. But nevertheless, Peter was in jail. The believers were at John Mark's mother's house praying. They never gave up even though James was murdered. So folks, we can't stop praying and stop serving God because somebody's having difficulties. Yeah. I think one of the hardest things I've had to deal with in my life was one time a, a, a couple had had a kid and it just broke our heart. Poor little child was, was born deceased and, and then just in that room and, you know, just heart agonizing over all of that. And yet here this baby that just passed away is dead. I mean, just holding that little baby in my arm and just walking around that little hospital room with that baby. But folks, we still had to encourage your mom and dad to continue on with God. See? Yeah. Still had to encourage you, you. You've got to continue on with God through all the pain, through all the tears, through all the difficulty. Pastor Darrell was right there with his shoulder, said you can lean on this and you can weep and cry as much as you want. But I'm going to be here to hold you up and I want you to know we're not going to let you backslide. See, this is what this is what being a Christian is all about. Let me give you one more scripture. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Some people think Christians are superhuman. We're not. Some people think Christians don't have struggles. We do. Some people think don't grow tired. We do. But in Hebrews 12, notice verse number 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as unto children. My son, do not despise thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father doesn't chasten? Looky there. It would have been nice if that verse wouldn't have been put in the Bible. But it's there. Yeah, it's there. 
And it, it shows that from the family perspective, if we have had fathers after the flesh who chastened us, why would we not expect God to chastise us? Now you say, well, what is chastisement? Well, chastisement is not a warning. That's the first thing you need to know. Okay, that's not a warning. The, the warning is, the warning, it, it goes like this. At least it did with me when I was a little guy. We're going over here. We're in the car driving there now. We're pulling in the driveway. We're, we're, we're going over here to your godmother's house. There's going to be some other kids that are going to be there. Now, when we get in that house, you can play, have a good time, do whatever you want. Don't touch anything on any shelf. While you're in there, you, you're to be with the little kids. Don't be in the room where the adults are. Don't be trying to get into our conversations. You go right downstairs and you play with the kids. Don't come up unless you have a question. And if you have a question, you stand there and don't interrupt until I acknowledge you. That, that's usually how it went, the, the warning. The, the, the actual way that I handled it in the house didn't always come out like that, you know. Uh, you know, kids, we, we just run, scream, yell, knock stuff up off the shelf, pull things down, and then, you know, you start hearing all of the other stuff, the yelling, don't make me come down there, that kind of a thing. But, but when mom and dad grew weary of that, then you enter into the chastening phase. What's that? Penalty time. And that's when they come and they apply the hand to the fatty portion of the backside in a very rapid manner. And all of that heat and friction produces screams and cries from little Daryl. Now, if our natural parents did that, how much more our Heavenly Father will chasten us? Now, how does he chasten us? He convicts us by the mighty power of the Holy Spirit. God is not up in heaven with lightning bolts in either hand waiting to zap you as soon as you mess up. That's not what he's doing. But, but he is a loving father who has set a beautiful example and the spirit of God is in us kind of like an agitator in an old washing machine and he's just working to try to let you know I want your attention, pay attention to me. There are things we're working on here. That's what God the Holy Ghost does. And there comes a point in time where God even says, okay, if you're not going to even respond to that, then Ananias and Sapphire, judgment sometimes comes. So when you think about how your parents chastened you, if you had Christian parents, then they likely chastened you and then showed you love in the process and may even have explained to you why you were being disciplined. If you were raised in an ungodly home like I had, you didn't get that kind of talk. Now, Tiffany's mom, she liked to talk a lot when she was spanking Tiffany, and believe me, Tiffany deserved a few when she was a little gal, but Tiffany would always tell me how her mom was the kind of disciplinarian that when she started spanking you, then she's talking the whole time she's swinging. See? And Tiffany would be yelling and screaming, stop talking, stop talking, because she thought if she would stop talking, maybe she would stop swinging. You see? Yeah. But verse 5 says, don't faint when you are rebuked of God. 
If you say something that you shouldn't say and the conviction of the Holy Ghost comes upon you to inform you that what you said was ungodly, don't get upset and angry and fall away from God. Allow that to be an opportunity and a reason for you to draw closer to God. That's what he's after, and that's what he's looking for. So rather than being tired, let's continue on with the Lord. Amen? Amen. There's no doubt about it. He's a good God. He's a wonderful God. Praise the name of the Lord.